welcome it's to crime culture. It's crime culture. I beat you. I know. Um, we're gonna jump like straight into it because there's so much to cover, and I kind of don't want this to be a three-parter because we have something planned for next week. So yeah. um, nobody, uh, nobody will have any idea. They won't be able to guess what we're gonna talk about next week. No, if we get to it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, if, even if you just look at a calendar, you won't be able to guess. Yeah, it's all right. We'll we'll tease it soon enough. But um, <laughs> so. This is part two of Black Mirror, and we're going to pick up where we left off with the Waldo moment. I'm going to say it because I didn't say it at the beginning of the last episode I put in the description. Spoiler alert, obviously. Like, we're oh. going to be talking about the episodes. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I put it in so, the description. Watch Black Mirror before you listen to this episode in the last episode. I mean, I thought that was obvious, but um, I don't but know. But you never I, know. I, I didn't get any complaints. But also, I didn't get the any complaints. The oh first no, maybe that's that one. Maybe that's that one two-star review we got. Maybe that was what maybe. it was. <laughs> maybe. But, I didn't um, know what season two was about. <laughs> well, series one and two have been out for like f- five-ish years, so it's kind of on you at that point. It, because but, it's that whole I don't know what it is about the British, and maybe one of our British listeners just can take explain forever. to us why it takes so long. Yeah, but it's so good. So I am no, not it's really, really good. But I don't know why it takes so. Like what I just don't understand is is there like a longer creative process? Like I don't know. in why, America, why are the is it just like so we got to put everything out? Yeah, and why are the seasons so short? Why are there only three episodes in season one? I don't know. But um, right. we're gonna get into it. So. These this are the episode mysteries is, that plague my life. Yes. This episode is from series two. It is the one, two, third episode of series two called The Waldo Yay. Moment. Yes. And um, it's about this comedian, Jamie Salder, um, who is controlling a vulgar computer animated bear named Waldo on a late night show. And the character becomes so popular with the British public and a pilot for a series about him is commissioned. And Jamie reluctantly agrees to have Waldo enter an upcoming by-election to promote the pilot, having no interest in politics himself. I mean, not a lot of comedians are interested in politics. They just Well, I think they weren't, but now. <laughs> yeah, now, but now it's now. just become... Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. So Waldo is projected onto his screen on the side of a van and uh, targets the conservative candidate, Liam Monroe, by following him around during the campaign. Jamie sleeps with the Labour candidate, Gwendolyn Harris, who starts to fall in love with him. Scandalous! They fall in love with, e- they fall in love with each other. Um, when Gwendolyn follows her campa- campaign manager's advice and distances herself from Jamie, he exposes her to the public as a career politician. Um, Waldo wow. gains more public support, attracting American interest for global branding, but Jamie rejects the idea. On the final day of the campaign trail, Jamie begs the public not to vote for Waldo. Monroe wins the election with Waldo coming in second and Gwendolyn third. In the future, Jamie wakes up homeless in a dystopian police state with Waldo's face appearing on every screen on the streets. So that's just what the episode yep. is about. So the guy that plays Jamie in the episode is um, Daniel Rigby. And he's actually a stand-up, and he actually beat out Matt Smith and Benedict Cumberbatch for the Best Actor BAFTA in 2011 for playing um, a um, comedian that has passed, Eric McCabe, M-O-R-E-C-A-B-E, in a movie called Eric and Ernie. I think he's a British comedian. I I haven't heard him, but I should look at that movie. I mean, I figured he was a British comedian. He's got a British accent. 
Yes. And um, I think it's the guy that plays Liam Monroe, I'm not sure, is Jason Fleming, and he was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I own that movie. I have yet to watch it. I have yet to watch it. (laughs) It's kind of sad. It's weird, but it's very sad. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured, which was why I was like, you know, you've got to be in a mood for this kind of thing and i'm never in that mood like i'm already depressed i don't need to be more depressed you know i just yeah i got that (laughs) um so one of the major themes um that black mirror keeps returning to comes up in this episode which is the idea of this the self and digital self so jamie is struggling as a comedian and waldo is this fictitious political mouthpiece they're two separate entities but they're the same person obviously because liam's controlling waldo so while waldo is gaining more and more success by the minute jamie is completely unhappy with his career his failing love life and his own digital creation waldo he's unhappy with the thing that he created because well i mean have you seen him i can't really blame him but like he created it so at one point he must have been proud of it but now it's spiraled out of control it's so far out of his hands like it's no longer his it's yeah it's not his anymore it's it's the public's which can happen with some stuff lots of stuff so yeah um let me see where was i um in sorry Uh, i I I literally was like either our sound cut out or she is dead no, I had to scan through something. So the lack in an of article, AC got to her. Yeah, I know. It's hot as shit, and that's why we're going to speed this up. So in an article for Medium, Howard Chai brought up um, how many people our age can relate to Jamie. Um, he says, quote, think about the various feelings you've experienced when you see the reaction to social media posts. You make what you think is an ingenious comment, but nobody seems to think so. But when you make an off-the-cuff remark you don't truly believe in, friends and strangers eat it up. It puts you in a precarious situation. Should you stick to your real self or give in to the fake alter ego that got you the most retweets you've ever gotten? To stay true to yourself or not to? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone has, like, whether you want to admit it or not, you do put on a bit of a persona online. I mean, I'm, I'm being completely real right now. (laughs) sometimes so much so that you catfish people (laughs) and you become a completely different person yeah Um, no it's true yeah so it's it's just a weird uh dichotomy like yourself and then like the self that you project online that's what he's going through with this character that he's created so another point that was brought up in this episode is that controversy sells so waldo starts to gain real traction after he insults a politician on a late night said uh late night segment on his show and then he gets sued this controversy gets a lot of attention and therefore it generates a lot of money for the media who push jamie to take waldo even further and enter the by-election as like an actual candidate yeah so um we see the scene playing out uh we see the scene playing out in real life after uh the controversy with james franco and seth rogan's movie the interview it broke online download records by making 15 million dollars in four days that was the best thing that could have ever happened to that movie because for those who haven't watched it without saying too much it was just a shitty movie yeah like and it, it was never destined would have to be a shitty well. movie exactly yeah, that's it what, never would yeah, have done would it that have well done, no would it have one done would so have well if it, didn't, it. if it didn't start world war three exactly like, no one would have even watched it exactly and it's just like oh you're doing exactly. it to yourself kimmy 
Mm -hmm. It's just, oh, God. So um, this episode originates from an idea that Charlie Brooker had and um, writer Chris Morris. Um, They had while they were writing a British sitcom, Nathan Barley, in 2005. They imagined a politician based on gorillas, that group that has, like, the little... Yeah. Avatar people. Um, yes, feel gooding. When Brooker came to when Brooker came to write the episode, British politician Boris Johnson was quote very present in his thoughts, and Ali G was also an inspiration. Ali G, the character that um, Sasha Baron Cohen created. Um, John Gar, who is a stand-up comedian that became the mayor of Reykjavik in Iceland, was also another reference point. And after the episode was conceived, a candidate dressed up in a pengu- uh, as a penguin and campaigned under the name Professor Pongo. And it <laughs> that, Good. that Good. character beat the Liberal Democrats in the 2012 uh, Scottish local elections. Good. I'm glad. So that just shows like how tired people are of like but, I mean, politics. It's no different than when... Our election, the U.S. election was happening a couple of years, like the presidential, I think it was, mm-hmm. when everybody started writing in fucking Harambe. Harambe, yeah. Everybody was writing in Harambe, and it's like, come on. Yeah, you're throwing away stuff. So, um... He's not actually, coming back. No. But, um, yeah, this actually plays out kind of in the real world after several news reports, including one by Chris Kaliza. Um, he's a political reporter for the Washington Post, uh, compared this to Donald Trump, Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. So in retrospect, there are a few moments that feel like pure deja vu from the last few years, comparing the political rise of fame experienced by Trump and Waldo, especially in the digital sphere. It's really interesting to think about. And I know there's tons of articles that actually talk about this, but, um, in the article that I referenced before by Howard Chai, he described it as um, he described it beautifully in his article when he said, quote, as the election drew nearer and even more so after it was officially elected, pundits speculated with a lot of wishful thinking that Trump would make a pivot and shed the Twitter version of himself and become more presidential. It seems stupid to think that in retrospect, because it was. <laughs> Why would Trump suddenly drop the so-called act that got him into the White House? Perhaps at one point it was an act, but after leading in, like leaning into the Twitter version of himself and seeing the popularity skyrocket, it's hard to imagine that Twitter Trump would ever really become real Trump. End quote. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which is crazy. Like he just started getting more and more popular on like the crazy shit that he was saying. So, why would he change that? Because he's a TV guy and a business guy, so he knows all about ratings and popularity and yep. what gets you in the news but whatever that's that's a fight for another day yes so in september of 2016 uh, the the episode writer also compared the trump campaign to the waldo moment and predicted trump would win the 2016 election brooker said in october um in october of 2016 that at the time of its production, he felt the Waldo moment was the, quote, one episode that I didn't really nail, didn't get the stakes right. But if you look at that now, it's really quite terrifying. It's more prophetic than I realized. He's an anti-politics candidate who's raucous and defensive, and that's all he is. He offers nothing. He insults everyone that they, he insults everyone and they lap it up because they're so sick of the status quo. And then you look at Trump. And then you look at Trump. Yeah. 
<laughs> on the night of the election, at the hour when Trump's victory was becoming clear to the nation, Black Mirror sent out a tweet proclaiming, quote, this isn't an episode, this isn't marketing, this is real. This is reality. Which is fucking crazy and horrifying. Well, and also, like, my little tidbit on that, not only is Black Mirror absolutely right, but I stayed up late to watch the, res- not watch, but, like, through the live Twitter feed, like monitor the mm-hmm. results of the election and see like what states were turning or whatever, because it was, I mean, yeah, like we all, like everybody our age voted in the presidential election that got Obama reelected, but yeah. not everybody, like this was the first like big election where like it's two different candidates and it, it was like for a lot of people our age in their early twenties, this was it. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah, it was the, like the maybe, first time that everyone got the opportunity to exactly to really vote. Yes. And um, so I it was maybe like one in the morning, two in the morning, three. In the, it was very early hours of the day following Election Day. And I mm. turned to Michael and I woke him up. I shook him awake and I was like, Donald Trump just won the election. And he just mm-hmm. goes, oh, and goes back to sleep. <laughs> He woke up the next morning and literally thought it was like not a, a, bad, not dream. a bad, not even like a bad dream, but just that like that didn't actually happen. Yeah. And he, he was like, there's no way that that happened. And he woke up and he was like, I thought you were kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was in a class that, was that night. Real. <laughs> I was in a class that night and literally no one was paying attention because everyone had their phones in their lap and they were just like, what's happening? What's happening? Like, what is happening? Like, who's winning Class what state? Should have been canceled. It, it was insane. Yeah, it should have been canceled. It was so Class stupid. should have been canceled. Who, who in their right mind? What teacher? Like teachers out there? Do you really think your students are going to be paying attention during something like that? Yeah, something as crazy as that. Like, it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of theirs. It's just it's whatever. Um, it is. But also, um, commentators found that. Um, the animoji emoji style av- avatars um were that were based on the facial tracking that is on the the new apple yeah. phone yeah. um they said that um it's very similar to um how Jamie instructs Waldo or like controls right. this little figure so it's very oh, no, reminiscent I can definitely of that. see the yeah i can see the similarities yeah that's all i have on that episode let me go into this is technically not in the um this the second series this is counted as the christmas special um white christmas and mm-hmm. um on christmas day matt and joe start talking about their past for the first time after five years that they have been stationed together in this remote cabin matt used to right. help single men seduce women his clients had optical implants that allowed him to see through their eyes and give them advice in real time using something called eye link technology his main profession, however, was uh, subjugating artificial copies of his client's consciousness stored into like a bean-sized chip called cookies, and they became docile personal assistants in charge of running smart houses. Alexa, smart house. It's fucking <laughs> terrifying. Did we not learn anything from the Disney Channel original movie Smart House? I don't think that's, so. That's what I've been saying for ages, because <laughs> a friend of mine and his then fiance, they've since gotten married, as fiancés tend to do. Um, yes. They got an Alexa as like an engagement gift and I don't remember like oh no it was so they were sitting at their kitchen table and 
my friend said to his fiance, he was like, I love you. And she was like, I love you too. Like, it was just like a little like normal, yeah. just like, and Alexa goes, oh, that's sweet. <gasps> oh, burn it, burn it in a fire. I was like, oh my God. He posted that and I was like, no thanks. No yeah, thanks. Fuck that every single day. Yes. Um. Anyway, Joe reveals that after a domestic squabble, his pregnant girlfriend, Beth, blocked him using a technology that turned them into incomprehensible pixelated blurs of each other. The block lasted for years, preventing him from talking to Beth or his child until Beth died in an accident. Joe found... Um, the child that Beth's father in Beth's father's cabin in the middle of the woods um, but the old man told him that the little girl was not his daughter angered Joe bashed his head in uh, with an object and left after Joe tells Matt that the girl also died in the blizzard trying to get help for her grandfather it is revealed that everything is taking place inside of one of Joe's cookies where Matt is trying to extract joe's confession in exchange for his own release from prison due to the iolink related voyeurism uh, matt is a registered sex offender resulting in him being universally blocked um, following his release joe's artificial con consciousness remains trapped inside the cabin having its time uh, perception changed to a thousand years per minute so that's his hell he's stuck in there forever. i mean that's a good that's a good hell i feel like that's that's an adequate hell yeah, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, but obviously, how can you talk about this episode without talking about John Ham? John fucking John Ham, everybody. is in this episode and obviously best known for Mad Men, among a million other things. But also in this episode, uh, the girl that poisons the guy that... Um, they see die over the eye link technology yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's Natalie Tenna who plays Tonks in Harry Potter. I know. Right? Isn't that Tonks crazy? Tonks lives. And uh, do a shot every single time somebody from Game of Thrones is on <laughs> this. Uh, oh my god! This stuff because Un it's a way Una to die Chaplin, real quick. Una Chaplin is uh, from Game of Thrones, and she's in this episode. Uh, also, Raph Spall plays what's that guy's name? Joe. Yeah, Raph's ball plays Joe, and he was in Wait, how, uh, how the new Jurassic spell, World. How is his name spelled? R-A-F-E-S-P-A-L-L. -L. Honey, honey, that's Rafe. That's Rafe? Rafe? Like Raphael? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not like Raffy? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, we know how to pronounce something now. That never Baby happens. Rafe, Rafe's ball. Um, he was in the new Jurassic World. He was the bad guy. Uh, he was also in the Big Short and the BFG. Wait, 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 back up. Wait, who was he in Jurassic World? Or is that the new one? Or the in the new one. In oh, the, new, the one. new one that I haven't seen. Okay, I thought you meant yeah. the one, like the first Bryce Dallas Howard one. No, no, he's, okay. in, he's in the okay. second one. Okay, um, so I was like, I don't so remember this, that. This special has more Easter eggs and cool gadgets than it does, like, yeah. a big overarching message. I know it. all Black Mirror episodes have a big overarching message, but this one has, like, a lot of, like, little Easter eggs and stuff. And the cookies are quite literally Alexa, like, 5.0. And, like, um... Oh, this is our future! Yeah. And they kind of... The cookies in this episode kind of lay the groundwork for USS Callister, which happens in Series 4. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there, yeah. there's a lot of that in this series. A lot of interlinking of technology from one episode it started, to another. It started to happen later on, because I think originally yeah. um, Charlie Brooker said he didn't want, like... He wanted each world to be its own world. 
Right. But um, later on, like, like stuff started popping up. And when we talk about um, Series 4, like, the last episode of Series 4, that's, like, the entire episode is an Easter egg. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So, um... The special makes references to a ton of other Black Mirror episodes. In the beginning scene where Matt's computer shows the dating club clients in the conference call, one of the user's nicknames is I underscore am underscore Waldo, and another is Pi Ape. Um, The ZI is reminiscent of a similar device in the entire history of you, and possibly the two stories... Yeah, possibly the two stories take place in the same world, and the device in this episode is an updated version of the grain from the previous episode. Okay. Um, That's what so, had me confused when you said, because I saw, I remember the I Am Waldo. I saw that little Easter egg, but I mm-hmm. I didn't notice the second one. The other one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Clips from the TV shows from the Waldo moment and 15 Million Merits are visible when Joe flicks through the TV channels. And the pregnancy test that Joe finds is the same one that's used in Be Right Back. And the ticker during the news report um, mentions that the prime minister, like, mentions about the prime minister in the national anthem, as well as Victoria Scalene from White Bear and Leah Monroe from The Waldo Moment. And um, in the episode, Bethany, which is um, Joe's girlfriend, sings Anyone Who Knows What Love Is, and that's the same song that Abby sings during the um, the contest yeah. in yeah. 15 Million yeah. Merits. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the one with the guy from Get Out. Which yes. one is that? Yes. <laughs> All right. And now we're going into series three. So this is when the show moved over to um, Netflix. So okay. there's bigger budgets. The series are longer. There's like six episodes per series. More John Ham. They can afford yes. more John Ham. Yes. Well, the first episode, Nosedive, has a bunch of people we know. Yes. So, um, yes. I about love the episode. episode. Yeah, this is pretty good. Um, using eye implants and mobile devices, people rate each other online and in in-person interactions on a five-star scale. This system cultivates an insincere type of relationship from person to person as each person's rating significantly significantly affects their socioeconomic status and Lacey is a young woman who's currently rated at a 4.2 and is keen to achieve self-improvement and hoping to reach a 4.5 to qualify for a discount for a luxury apartment Lacey tries to gain favor from highly rated people as they have larger impacts on the scores that you get and sees a great chance to achieve her goal when her friend uh, from school, Naomi asked her to be her maid of honor at her upcoming wedding, with many high-rated people in attendance. After a series of mishaps on her way to the wedding that sends her rating plummeting, Naomi calls Lacey and tells her not to come. Enraged, Lacey manages to get to the celebratory dinner. She grabs the microphone and starts to give the speech that she had written. The guests rate her negatively, causing her rating to drop to zero. She becomes dangerously upset and security removes her from the area. She is placed in a cell and has the technology supporting the rating system removed from her eye. Finally feeling liberated, she gets into an argument with a man without worrying about being rated at all. So this was a, a crazy one. And obviously, the girl who plays Lacey is Bryce Dallas Howard from Jurassic World. her. She's fantastic. I love her so much. Like, Um, I've loved her since she went on that one red carpet interview, and they were like, what are you wearing? And she was like, 
I got this dress from Lord and Taylor because no designers will dress a size six. And I was like, yo. Yeah, bless, bless up. I think it's the girl that plays Naomi is Alice Eve, and she was in Star Trek Into Darkness. Well, and also she was in, um, what was that movie with Jay Baruchel that everybody pretends to not know and hate, but in actuality, we've all seen it at least 20 times. I don't know. She's out of my league. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's in that? That I didn't know that. She is. She's the one that's out of his league. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And she's the nanny that doesn't wear a bra in Sex in the City. (laughs) Great. (laughs) The um, woman that Lacey meets, um, the the truck driver woman that Lacey meets that doesn't care about her her score, is played by Cherry Jones, who is a five-time Tony-winning actress. Yes, she is. And uh, her wins include The Heiress, Doubt, and she was in a movie that not a lot of people know of that I really liked. It was a fucking weird ass movie, but like Mel Gibson's in it. Um, my favorite, um, Anton Yelkin is in it. I love him. Jennifer Lawrence was in it for a fucking second. It's called The Beaver. It's a fucking weird ass movie. Ooh. But it's, it's, I liked it. I don't know. It, it's weird. I'm um, always a hoe for some yeah. Anton Yelkin. But here's the thing uh, do you know who wrote this episode? I did. I remember. I remember that it was significant. Whoever wrote it, but I can't remember. It's for the Rashida life of me. Jones and Mike Schur that from Parks was and Rec. It. That was it. Oh, that's fucking crazy. I love, I love them. so Yeah, much. I love it. That's that shit. Cray. I know. Also, also before we, we wrap up this episode, speaking of ratings and their effect on one's socioeconomic status, please rate us on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, just, that's a, a wonderful little plug there. That five can, stars that only, can please. Us all. Thank you. I give you five stars as well. Five stars <laughs> if you around. love it. Four stars if you hate it. Yes, please. No, five stars if you love it. Five stars if you hate it. Yeah. Because thank you. And and feel free to tell us why you love it. Yeah. Exactly. Also, you can just email us. Yeah. Or also. go to all of our social medias. We're going to yeah. talk about that at the end. But right now, I'm going to talk about the episode. <laughs> so, the idea of social media dictating social structure here is deeply disturbing and seems more like a prediction than a fictional sci- sci-fi dystopia. We already see Not evidence even a prediction. of this. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's happening. We yeah. already see evidence of this in our culture with Insta celebrities and YouTubers. The more followers you have, the more that your opinion seems to matter, which is fucking crazy because these people are just like us and they they just make stupid videos and people still eat it up it's fucking crazy or even that song by kyle i spy where he's like um i spy with my little eye a girly i can get because she don't get too many likes Ooh. yeah no it's it's a problematic song but it's relevant yeah it's true because it people are it's the more unattainable you are the more it appears likes and followers and everything that you have it's fucking crazy there's you can you can dissect this episode there could be a fucking college class on this episode it's it's crazy yes so in this episode Lacey is going along with the system uh like everyone else and just trying to get by uh even though it requires her to practice an ideal laugh and fake pleasantries in the mirror right you see like what no i'm agreeing with you Oh, <laughs> you see, like, in part of the episode, like, she's practicing a laugh. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. It's like, what is the most, like, pleasant laugh I can pleasing, have? Yes. Yeah. It's insane. 
So in our world, we sometimes have to go along with the status quo to be liked and and accepted, even if doing so goes against what we would like to be doing in the first place. This type of thinking can also bring on what is called the hedonic treadmill. And that's a tendency to quickly return to a, a relatively stable level of happiness, despite major positive or negative events right. in your life. So in another Medium article by Howard Chai, which I referenced um, earlier, he says, quote, social media, particularly if you use it in the way that boils everything down to numbers, is designed like a treadmill. No matter what we do, um, how we quickly return to neutral. No matter how many likes we get, we it quickly wears off, raising our expectations for the next time. Even skyrocket, every skyrocket leads to a nosedive and there's nowhere yep. to go but down. Yep. So you get 50 likes on one photo. You're super happy of it. If you don't get at least 50 likes on your next photo, you're going to be yeah, disappointed. People are That's, crazy. It's such a crazy way of thinking, but it is really true when you get like super obsessed with social media like that. Well, yeah, so no. in, an, in an analysis by Harry's Moving Castle, which I reference a lot of his videos, he does really good analysis of um, each episode online. He okay. brings up the moment in the episode where she is put in jail and has the eye link thing taken out. And um, in a place that represents a lack of freedom, she feels more liberated than ever because she is in, under no obligation to act in a certain way. In a way, the rating system is more of a prison than the jail she ends up in at the end of the episode. I mean, and yeah, like if you look at people who, whether they're celebrities or whether they're just regular old peons like ourselves, mm-hmm. if you look at people who are experiencing particular a particularly rough patch in their mental health, the mm-hmm. first thing that goes, they get rid of the social media. Exactly. And it's like yeah. a weight being lifted. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely something that you should do. Oh, yeah. Um, no. Even if you do, like, a nice little social media cleanse every so often. Yeah, that's always good to do. I like, just did a uh, a Facebook cleanse that I just deleted. Like, if I haven't talked to you yeah. in, like, over a year, two years, Bye. just delete. Yeah. I deleted, like, a bunch of, like, groups I was part of, just, and like, a bunch of stuff. and yeah. 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 Or no, like, it, I turned off, I, I think it was, like, a year ago, I turned off my notifications on everything. Mm-hmm. So then... You like, can choose I, when not, you're in the correct mental headspace to, like, look at stuff like that. Exactly. And I'm not, like, obsessively checking to see, like, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. Like, yeah, you're it bored you. and you want to see, like, well, did somebody like my thing? Yeah. Oh, maybe I should post so that I can have, like, it's almost like it's like your brain craves. We we don't get bored anymore. We have so much exactly stuff that we can use to occupy ourselves. So it's yeah. like, it's just one more thing. Exactly. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And um, Manuel ben- Bentoncourt of the Pacific Standard explains how Nosedive fits with other portrayals of social media in television and film, comparing it to um, 2017 films The Circle and Ingrid Goes West, both of which explore negative aspects, aspects of social media. Bentoncourt Highly says, recommend Ingrid Goes West. You saw it? Oh, so I didn't see it so relevant it's oh like yeah aubrey plaza can do no wrong anyway but yeah i oh my god you need i know i have to see i highly recommend that everybody sees this movie yeah so um bentoncourt says that historically women have been portrayed as victims of technology a pattern of which um works 
with these two films. For instance, when Ingrid and Lacey are both obsessed with coming across as perfect online. Mm -hmm. In contrast, male characters are traditionally the voice of reason. In these works, Lacey's brother Ryan and um, the character Mercer in The Circle and Taylor's husband in Ingrid Goes West serve this purpose. Yep. Um, Furthermore, the androgyny of nosedive character Susan is linked to her disdain for social media. That's the um, Cherry Jones plays that character. Yeah. Bentoncourt writes that these characterizations um, do not coincide with the research on how men and women use technology when um, some studies report that men have more emotional investment in positive feedback in social media. However, Nosedive shows people of all genders placing importance on the social media, leading Bentoncourt to call it, quote, perhaps the most keen-eyed critique of recent titles. And um, a Business Insider article by Aaron Brodwin notes that the episode shows Lacey fall victim to the hedonic treadmill like I had spoke about before. Despite momentary happiness when receiving a high rating, Lacey is uh, lonely and unsatisfied in all. Brodwin points out that the scientific studies concur with Lacey's experience because there's no correlation between using social media and being happy in the long term. And co-writer Rashida Jones believes that the episode, as with all Black Mirror episodes, pushes you into the near future, while the other episode writer Mike Schur considers it to be more of a parallel reality. Brooker has described the episode as, quote, like a cross between Pleasantville and The Truman Show, which, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I can see both of those working with this. Jones says that the idea that, quote, women are talked to, women are taught to be liked and men are taught to be powerful yep. sure agrees that Lacey's gender is important to the story and also notes that edited images on social media are causing negative body image effects for men as well which of course it is oh it's absolutely. causing negative it's causing negative effects on everybody when you yeah. have such a high standard i mean it's nice to be able to keep in touch with one another but uh. when you're when you're creating like <laughs> fake things to like show off how great your life is when it's really not it goes along with the lesson in be right back where it's you cultivate the persona that you put forth online exactly yeah because when ash was that ai creation it wasn't the him the person yeah it wasn't the person that she had fallen in love with there's few people on social media who are completely transparent if any um, who are completely transparent and are willing to showcase their flaws, all of their flaws, not just like, oh, yeah. Chrissy Teigen posted her stretch mark, so now that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And that shouldn't be, like, it's lovely that she's showing herself as to be a real person, but that shouldn't be every single article. Like, oh my no. God, a celebrity's a real person. Yeah. Like, that should just be, of course. Of, of course she's obviously. a real person. She had two babies. Of course she has stretch marks. That I mean, shouldn't be a I surprise can do that. to anybody. Honestly, honestly, then I'm better because I can do that without having two babies. Exactly. Right? I shouldn't be brave. I'm just a person. <laughs> um, so this episode alarmingly is uh, nearing closer and closer to the real world because in November of 2016, um, wait, that's not the part that I was talking about. But in November of 2016, to tie in with the episode, Netflix released a ton tongue-in-cheek app called rate me that um allowed users to rate people by their twitter handle and view their own rating and ratings of others what 
I did yeah. not know about this. I don't this. know if it's still an app. I didn't even look it up to see if it was still a thing. But um, the really creepy part of it coming to the real world is that um, it's compared to China's social credit system. I was hoping you'd bring this up. Of course. How can I talk about this episode without talking about the <gasps> social credit system? So it's a government initiative planned for testing in 2020. And um, it's it's in, it's in correlation with an existing system that they already have called uh, Sesame Credit. Which I don't know if I have a lot of research on that because I had to do research on every single episode. <laughs> but um, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, in November of 2016, the Facebook page for Black Mirror shared an article in the Washington Post about the social credit system. The system would assign each citizen a score, determining decisions such as whether you could borrow money or get your children to the best schools, and actions such as defaulting on a loan or um, criticizing the ruling party. Those would lead. Um, to lower scores and right. the existing sesame credit system which assigns users a score between 350 and 950 already allows some people with high scores to rent vehicles without a deposit or to um, to pay to skip hospital lines that shouldn't be a thing that should not be a thing but here's the thing I was also thinking of when I was looking at that isn't that kind of your credit score it, in a little thinking... bit of a way that's kind of your credit score so what do you call it? So if you've um, proven you're bad at paying somebody money, your credit score goes down. And if your credit score goes down, you have a harder time getting an apartment and doing a bunch of, like, important things. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit like that. But, like, this is talking about, like, you'll get a low score if you say something bad about the government. Yeah, no. I mean, in a couple countries, I know the United Kingdom is one of them, have compared this system to say credit scores and whatnot but mm -hmm. one thing well obviously like if you speak poorly of the government and then you disappear that's something that's one thing yeah but yeah. um if we'll all don our tinfoil hats for a moment it's also <laughs> said that it what it's leading up to is that it's going to be a mass form of or a form of i'm reading because i took notes down um, mm -hmm. A form of mass surveillance, which uses big data analysis technology. That's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know this, that the existing uh, Sesame system is kind of dependent on the scores of the people in your social circle. And yeah. the proposed existing system, uh, the, pro the proposed and the existing system have been widely compared to this episode as a whole, obviously, because it's the fucking same thing. Um, specifically, it has been noted that the apartment discount that Lacey hopes for is similar to how high-rated people under the Sesame credit system can rent cars without a deposit, which... Right. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Additionally, Lacey's rejection um, from the airport is reminiscent of the system's control over who can partake in some forms of transportation. Series creator Charlie Brooker has commented on numerous occasions about the links between the episode and the social credit system. He joked in an interview, quote, I promise we didn't sell the idea to the Chinese government, end quote. About seeing the concept of the episode come to life in the real world, Brooker said, quote, it was quite trippy, end quote. Um, he comments that the key difference between chi China's rating system and the one in Nosedive is that uh, there's a central government assessing things. Um, being state-controlled, it feels even more sinister. 
And mm-hmm. he points out that the social credit system sounds like an attempt to make the population behave in a certain way, which it a thousand percent is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds so crazy to me. Um, even, like, outside of that here in America, in an interview with ex-Facebook president uh, Sean Parker, um, he said it literally, Facebook and your relationship with the internet it literally changes your relationship with society and with each other it probably interferes with productivity in weird ways god only knows what it's doing to our children's brains right that's why he's the ex facebook president um he explained (laughs) when facebook was being developed the objective was quote how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible um it was this mindset that led to the creation of features such as the like button and that would give Mm -hmm. users a little dopamine hit to encourage them to upload more content it's social validation feedback loop exactly the kind of thing is it ever yeah and this is a, a direct quote from him that it's a social validation feedback loop exactly the kind of thing a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology yeah so obviously like if you didn't watch the fucking social network um which is Facebook a great was developed movie by, like, and you hackers. should yeah and these people know how to get you to do things which is fucking crazy they got you to put all your information on facebook and they dated brenda song while they were doing it <laughs> oh yes oh never forget never forget i just remember her from all those disney channel movies now she's dating macaulay culkin is she really oh is she really oh honey we'll talk that's for the pop gossip podcast (laughs) that we're starting gossip section um it's just us being like are they really no (laughs) what (laughs) what um so yeah that's that's plenty to talk about for that episode obviously there's so many articles you can read about just that episode i can that if that is like really interesting to you especially the hedonic treadmill part which i found really interesting um there's so much research that you can do on that but i have to get to the rest of the season so um in the next episode playtest uh this character cooper he leaves for home uh, he leaves his home in America to travel the world, but ends up stranded in England after a banking error, and he avoids calling his mother for help as she's been unable to connect with. He's been unable to connect with her following his father's death due, due to early onset Alzheimer's. Um, while staying in a house of a girl that he had slept with the previous night, Cooper offers to participate in a playtest of an augmented reality video game. Um, a gadget with the ability to layer lifelike images and sounds onto his perception is implanted in the back of his neck and um, a phone call from his mother causes interference during the installation process. After the gadget probes his brain for information on things to scare him, the test begins with Cooper being left alone in a spooky mansion. Uh, There Cooper endures some jump scares at first, but he he later experiences severe mental and physical pain and the test is terminated. Cooper returns home to his mother, who does not recognize him, and he realizes that, like his father, she too has been afflicted with Alzheimer's. At this point, it is revealed that all the events subsequent to the signal interference were taking place in Cooper's head, and the interference actually caused his brain to synapse and to light up all at once, uh, resulting in his death shortly afterwards. So, I would say a good two-thirds of this episode is happening in a dead guy's brain yeah yeah but um the guy that plays cooper is wyatt russell 
And that's Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son. I didn't want to, because I figured you were going to bring this up, because yeah. I, I didn't he's also want... A, uh, he's also a hockey player. Oh, I didn't know that. I, know I knew he, he was in... For. He was in that Anna Kendrick movie, Table 19. Yeah, he was in that movie. Yeah. And he's also in a new show on AMC called right. Lodge 48, Something 49? like that. I haven't, Lodge I haven't looked too much into it, but yeah, he's in some new yeah. show right now. Um, and then one of the girls in the episode is Hannah John Kamen, who was in Ready Player One and Take a Shot, Game of Thrones. <laughs> and the, I uh, what I found you interesting and Take a Shot, I was like, "What is that? I've never heard of that." No, <laughs> Game of Thrones. There's so many Game of Thrones people in this in this like series. Um, what I also found interesting is that the music in this episode was by Bear McCreary, who did all of the music for The Walking Dead. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, so this is the most, like, horror-like episode. Like, Black Mirror is sometimes referred to as, like, a horror show, but it's more of, like, dystopian sci-fi, whatever. But this actually had elements of real horror. Oh, um, yeah, no, I could not. Yeah, with, like, the I, spooky I, house. They had, like, a giant... Um, um, fuck the spooky house. They had motherfucking spiders in here. Yeah, that giant and spider. And I was not yeah. here for... Like, that was the one where I was like, nah, fam. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot scarier than it was when they were starting to set stuff up. It was all right. Like um, hunting other human beings? Fine. Throw a CGI yeah, right? giant spider? spider into the mix? No. Fuck that. Why couldn't we just I'm follow the gone. butterflies? Yep. I am <laughs> gone. Um, so this episode actually contains a large number of video game related references as both Brooker and um, another writer of the episode, Trochtenberg. Uh, they were former video game journalists before becoming names in the television and film industries, which I didn't know that. I didn't know they were video yeah, game journalists. I didn't it know that. It seems kind of interesting. So that the video game, Yeah. The video gaming magazine Edge helped Brooker to create a number of fictional covers of their magazine for the episode. And Trachenberg included several of his favorite video games as props in Sonia's room, the girl that Cooper was sleeping with. Right. Um, when Cooper is told to enter the room... Um, with the access point by Katie, she tells him, would you kindly open the door? The would you kindly phrase is used in Bioshock, and it's used by the antagonist to You're facilitate right. mind control. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So that's just like a little Easter egg. If you're like a video game person, you know, like <gasps> oh, little things like that. Right? I'm telling Isn't Michael to after learn? this, I totally... <gasps> I just blew your mind with that one. Oh my god. Oh my god. Right? It's oh. so much fun. According to Brooker, um, Trachtenberg insisted on including this reference within the episode. Cooper's last name is revealed to be Redfield, which Brooker used as a nod to the characters of Chris and Claire Redfield in the Resident Evil franchise. Not as mind-blowing. <laughs> Not as mind-blowing as the Would You Kindly. <laughs> It's such a little tiny thing. It's just, oh, it's just but small But it makes enough. so much sense. <gasps> yeah. That's like a little nug. That's just perfect. Oh, my God. I know. Pretty pretty freaking crazy. Yeah, I didn't want to talk too much about that episode because we still have a lot to go on. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Shut up and dance. Um, we're going to get to like our favorites and least favorites later. But this is at the bottom of my list. Because of how, like, dissociated I was when it ended. 
<laughs> but it's about this quiet and kind 19-year-old Kenny. Um, he downloads an anti-malware program to fix his infected laptop. And unbeknownst to him, the program activates his laptop camera, which records him masturbating to internet porn. Hackers threaten to email the video of his act to his entire contacts list unless he follows their instructions. Another victim of the hackers gives Kenny a box with a cake inside, which he has to deliver to Hector, a man being blackmailed over infidelity. Kenny and Hector get assigned to a car and then drive to a bank, which they must rob using the gun that is hidden in the cake. Kenny robs the bank and they drive off to the drop-off point in nearby woods. Kenny alone carries the money as Hector leaves to destroy the car. In the woods, Kenny meets another man who is being blackmailed for watching child pornography. The man explains to Kenny that they are to fight to the death and he attacks him. Kenny manages to kill the man, but the hackers leak all of the blackmail material on any of their victims anyway. Yep. Kenny receives a call from his crying mother where it is revealed that he was also masturbating to child pornography. The police arrive at his location and arrest him. So, it, this episode is all over the place. Um, the guy that plays Kenny is Alex Lothar, and he's in the new Netflix show. Well, it's not new anymore. Yeah. But he's in the Netflix show, The End of the Fucking World. Yep. And he was also the little kid in The Imitation Game, the Benedict Cumberbatch oh, movie. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, my and gosh. The guy that plays Hector, I thought this was really interesting. His name is Jerome Flynn. Take a shot. He was in Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> he was also in a movie called Soldier, Soldier. And he has a musical duo named Robson and Jerome. And his version of Unchained Melody stayed at number one for seven weeks on the UK charts in 1995. Damn. Right? Oh, Isn't that okay. crazy? Damn, Jerome. Nuts. I don't know. I just saw that fact and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Apparently um, someone big. Right. So, to start the analysis on this episode, the title Shut Up and Dance refers to the puppeteer-like control that the hackers have over their victims. Um, this episode also takes a different look at technology that we have previously seen in the series. In the past, we see people as masters of new technology, like the entire history of you and Nosedive. But in this episode, we see people as slaves to technology and being controlled as if they are the robots and not the technology. Right. It's interesting that we never see that the hacker like see the hackers and who they really are. And we don't know if they're if uh, Kenny and Hector and all the people that are being blackmailed are actually being watched or if the commands are enough to get them to follow these horrible deeds. Um, two days prior to the release of series three on Netflix, Den of Geek published an interview in which Brooker hinted that um the episode was, quote, a grimy contemporary nightmare set in absolutely present-day London. It's not sci-fi at all. Brooker yeah. states that one interview, the absence of the sci-fi element from the episode is a very conscious thing, noting that prior episodes, the National Anthem and the Waldo moment also touch base with the real world. Yeah. In another interview, he says that the episode um, is, quote, in the same way that one of the things that led to doing San Junipero was me thinking, can I do a story set in the past? Don't you that fucking was, talk to me about San Junipero. Oh, that's next. Um, that was where I had... I need a minute. That is where the idea had sprung from. We thought, can we do a story just set today? Brooker noted that the story went through many different iterations and some didn't contain Kenny looking at child pornography when the blackmailers 
filmed him. He revealed that in one version of the story, there was no reason why the events were happening, and in another, the roles were reversed with Jerome Flynn's character having the extremely dark secret. Yeah. I think it was more effective having Kenny do it. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's a fucked up episode. So the guy, cool. who, What's his name again? Alex... Ooh. Alex Lothar? Fantastic actor. He's so good. Yeah, no, he's really good. He's so good. I haven't watched the end of the fucking world yet. I know I have to. Yeah, no, it's it on my list. It sounds really, really good. Yeah, I it's know. I haven't list. gotten to it yet. I've seen like the little snippets that people repost on Instagram, and I'm like, I need mm-hmm. to watch this. I, I need I to know. watch it. I do that with so many shows, though. I'm like, oh, I need I to do watch that with this. Too many shows. It's a problem. I know. I know. Um, unfortunately, we are getting to. Oh no! Like just about an hour. <laughs> So, all right, all right. guess what, family? This is going to be a three-parter. Good, because we're I have... need to emotionally prepare for San Junipero. Like, you don't understand. Well, we're going to talk about San Junipero before we... San Junipero is going to be Fuck. the last episode we talk to talk Fuck. about before we leave. But, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it's going to have to be a three-parter, just because there's That's so fine. much information, and we love talking about it. But just know that there's going to be a break. I was going to say a small uh, gap. A small gap because we have to talk about are we georgia um, jagger's teeth because there's gonna be a small gap a small gap um yeah we have to talk about something else next week but um yeah i want to give each episode its time <laughs> um so do you want to leave san junipero for next week i just i mean we for, can do it uh, we can do it episode? i'm just gonna get real emotional real fast if that if you think that'll make for good podcasting then let go yeah let's do it because there's six episodes in series four and <laughs> all right all right they're a little long so um here we go guys guys it's time it's time for san junipero oh, um God. if you haven't seen the episode watch it please you don't even in. have to watch you don't even have to watch the rest of black mirror like if you watch one episode please watch this one like it's basically a movie oh god oh god yeah i would watch but, a movie um, i would watch a whole fucking series like i don't know i think it would be disappointing but anyway um let me just get you're into disappointing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it at the end hold on so um in 1987 shy yorkie visits a bar in a beach resort town named san junipero where she meets the outgoing kelly the two young women are attracted to each other and they sleep together oh, after yorkie that yorkie kelly. is not able to find kelly again until Iconic. a man suggests looking for her in a different time I love yorkie them. visits what i love them that's nice <laughs> Let me finish. Yorkie visits 1980 and 1996 and finally manages to find Kelly in 2002. Kelly explains that she is dying and that um, she was not looking for a relationship. San Junipero is revealed to be a virtual world set across different time periods where uh, dead people can go and upload their artificial consciousness while visitors like Yorkie and Kelly can test during a trial period of the system once a week. In real life, old Kelly visits bedridden Yorkie in a hospital and discovers that she was paralyzed 40 years earlier after running her car off the road in despair when her parents rejected her for coming out. Kelly marries Yorkie and authorizes her wish to be euthanized and uploaded into San Junipero. As her health worsens, Kelly elects to do the same, overcoming her thoughts of her dead husband and daughter who were not able to be uploaded into the system kelly and yorkie reunite in san junipero forever that is a very very spark noted version i know i know but it's so good it's um uh, <laughs> I, it's so good 
I love it so much. <laughs> I know. And I haven't watched it in a while, and I really should. I don't think um, I can, just because... I. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um... <sighs> I want to say the girl who plays Kelly's name, and I know I'm going to butcher it. Gugu Mbatha-Ra. <laughs> yes. Okay, thank God. You You're welcome. It. I'm here. Uh, I'm here for you, boo. She, she played supporting roles in Larry Crown and Doctor Who. Yes, she did. And uh, the girl who plays Yorkie, Mackenzie and Davis. I believe. She was in... Who? What else was she in? I believe she was also um, the Feather Duster in the live-action Beauty and the Beast was she really? I'm gonna check right now, but I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, good. I, I didn't see her that, credits. Any girl that um, fucking marries Stanley Tucci is the girl for me. Yes, yes. Oh, that's what she was. Or no, then? she doesn't marry Stanley Tucci. She marries. I'm just fucked. She marries Ewan McGregor, which is not as good because oh, okay. Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang. But no. um, but the girl that plays Yorkie is Mackenzie Davis, and she was in uh that awkward that awkward moment. Yes. The Martian and the AMC show Halt and Catch Fire. Oh. And yeah, she's what, like one of the main people in that show, I think. Oh. I haven't watched it. I just saw a lot of uh, uh, ads for it while I was watching like Breaking Bad and um, Better Call Saul and stuff. I'll just I'll um, just love them forever. It's fine. Yeah. So as you can tell, the episode's more hopeful tone is very unusual for the show. And at the time of its release, San Junipero was considered to be the most different from the other Black Mirror episodes. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. It's been described in various reviews as the only episode with warmth to it, the yep. upbeat and the most upbeat and positive, and the most ambitious episode thus far. Yeah. Zach Handlin from the AV Cub A V Club <laughs> believed the that AV the previous Cub. episode sat Yeah. Rawr. I thought this is very true. He believed that the previous episode's sad tones heightened the effectiveness of San Junipero. Because the entire yes. time you're watching it, at least I was, I was like, fuck, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? <laughs> I was so yeah. nervous. It's like, how horrible was going to happen? And then you just sob and need to take a break. I know. It was so good. Um, Sonia Sayara from Variety notes that uh, technology is actually portrayed as good in San Junipero, which uh, we know from the rest of the episode is a rarity. Hardly um, ever. Yeah. Um, also, I I can't even begin to talk about it, but Harry's Moving Castle does a really great analysis of the music in this episode. So Ooh. there's so much like good 80s music. And yeah. like, when she flips to the different time periods, there's great music. Ugh. They all like all the lines of the music that they choose mean something in the moment. I just can't yeah. get into it right now. But watch. Uh, I will Ooh. link it on the website. Yes. Harry's Moving Castle. I'll watch that. The yeah. The analysis for San Junipero. So good. So, this episode also subverts the common trope in television of killing off lesbian characters. Although Kelly and Yorkie do die, they have a happy ending. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Its Emmy Award wins were considered by some to mark a cultural shift. Yes. So well deserved. It marks a huge cultural shift in the relation um, to portray um, lesbianism or uh, a proof of concept that dealing with LGBT characters don't have to be tragic. Yeah. Um, San Junipero has also been cited in as an example of bisexual lighting, which um, in lots of the episode, obviously it's the 80s, there's a lot of neon, but yeah. there's a lot of blue, purple, and pink, and these colors are obviously on the bisexual pride flag. Yep. Um, they represent bisexual characters. But like our uh, Amelia Perrin of Cosmopolitan uh, criticized that this episode um, 
when they show the the lighting like this, it's in the nightclub setting, reinforcing the stereotype of bisexuality as a phase or something experimental. Oh. Which I can see that. But also, like, where, like, you have to put the, um, like, there's the neon lighting during the club scenes because that's what clubs were lit up as in the 80s. Ah. So there wasn't really a place for them to put the neon lighting in the real world when right. she's in the hospital <laughs> or right, something true. like that. So, like, I do see her, her problem with it, like, when you really dig in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's a fight for another day. <laughs> so um, this was actually the first episode that was written for series three. And Brooker says that he wrote the whole script in four days. And I can believe the that. initial draft was a, um, a love story know. about a heterosexual couple. And Brooker later changed it to give the episode extra resonance as same-sex marriage was not even legal in 1987, which, of course, um, it wasn't legal until relatively recently. Uh, He said that having a twist makes the writing process easier as, quote, when you know that 85% of what's happening you can't reveal until later on, it actually sort of narrows your opinions, your options in a useful way. Yeah. So... Like they didn't, that. yeah, they didn't reveal what Santa Junipero was until like a good portion of the way through the episode. So you didn't really understand what was happening. No, and but you loved every second of it. Yes, oh. and um, the episode is set in California as another way to upend people's preconceptions of Black Mirror. One reviewer noted that San Junipero contained only American characters, and this is actually. One of my favorite quotes from uh, Charlie Brooker, he said in an interview with the Daily Beast, quote, I'd read people saying, oh, no, it's going to get all American. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to set it in California. Fuck you. I'll choose protagonists that wouldn't necessarily leap into my head. And I'll explore a hopeful use of technology to shut people up who think this is written by the Unabomber. (laughs) I love that. I love that he just said, I'm going to set it in California. Fuck you. (laughs) It's fantastic. Also, I think it's important to note that even though the characters are American, um, mm-hmm. Gugu Mbatha-Ra is from England. Or that's where she was born. And mm-hmm. I believe, I, 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 I'm not 100%, I believe that Mackenzie um, Davis? Davis was born in Canada. Really? I'm, I'm looking right now. Yeah. Born and raised in Vancouver. Wow. So uh, put that in your hater pipes and smoke it. <laughs> Whatever. I, I honestly... And like, it was I filmed did in notice... Cape Town. That much I do know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was filmed not, in South Africa. Not filmed in California. So like, I, I'll defend Which is this episode crazy, until I die. So good. And get uploaded um, to the cloud. <laughs> uh, I did notice once it moved to Netflix that there, like, obviously Bryce Dallas Howard um, yeah. was on, like... Um, like you like said, bigger lot- budget. They yeah, were able to budget. get bigger names, bigger faces. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't think was too much of a problem. Like, I liked, I like it both ways. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fun it to didn't, see the It unknowns. didn't bother me in any way. No, it's like yeah. a little pleasant surprise sometimes. Like, suddenly you're looking at your screen and John Hamm is there and no one's complaining. Right? I'm not complaining. No one's complaining. complaining about John Hamm. No, who would complain um, about John Hamm? Let me see what else I have Someone's to say. Someone's going to email oh, yeah, us and episode- complain about John Hamm. 
here's what uh, you might not know. The episode was originally set to have an unhappy ending, like the rest of the episodes. And Brooker told the Daily Beast that um, in the rough treatment, the episode ended with the scene where Kelly and Yorkie meet in the hospital. But he said, quote, when I sat down to actually write it, I was enjoying it so much that I thought, no, I'll just have to keep going. Um, he said go. that the, yeah, he said the idea for the ending um, where you saw them in the, the, there was an idea for the ending where you saw them in loads of different eras, um, including the 20s. Oh. And following the episode's release, Brooker asked, um, was asked about a Reddit post speculating that Kelly is simulated for Yorkie's benefit rather than really being there. He replied, oh. wrong, they are together. Wrong. Yeah. And he also comments that, quote, they have the happiest ending imaginable. It's not a big rainbow sandwich, but it, it's just, what, uh. but what appears to be happening there is happening there. It's not so. a rainbow sandwich. It's just a little rainbow niblet. And I love it. It's just lovely. It's I love episode. it so much. Uh, like, yeah, so that's all we're going to talk about uh, for this week because we're starting to go over. I need to decompress. Yes, we have, we have plenty more to talk about. Oh, we have um, so much after, more to talk about. Now I yeah, feel like it'll go faster, episode. though. After, yeah, yeah. Af- like after this. But yeah. We still have one of my favorite episodes to talk about, which oh, really? I will reveal. Yes, Ooh. I will reveal I thought later. we were revealing at the end. Uh, well, you'll be able to tell which one I really, really like. I know, but I thought we were it. revealing our top five and our bottom we five. Will. Oh, okay. We will. Because I was like, yeah, yeah. all right, all right. You're going to get mad no, at some of mine, but that's okay. That's okay. It's going to be quite a controversy. We it might need be. a different episode just for that. <laughs> we, may, we may also need like, no, I guess we won't. Because I was going to say attendance from, I sometimes forget that you're not only not here with me, but we're not even on the same time zone. And I was about no. to suggest that we had Michael and Elliot come in just to kind of like hold us back from each other. And then I was like, oh, shit, she ain't here. Oh, so sad. <laughs> sad. Oh. It's all right. So, yeah, guys, we'll, we'll figure something out. Email us and tell us why Haley should move to California with me. No, thanks. Yes, please. Snuggle up. I'm good where I am. We can snug. We can move to San Junipero. Oh, that is one <gasps> thing. That is one thing from... um my catholic upbringing um did you know like the correlation between san junipero and like san junipero slash saint juniper no i didn't what is Um, that he was i don't remember what he exactly is the patron saint of but he was he basically became qualified for being a saint because he would help the dying in his village and the people around him and he would basically do all of the things for them that they were otherwise unable to do because they were like dying, which is basically what San Junipero does for the characters. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Hashtag Catholic school. Yeah. That is very cool. The more you Hmm. know. Look at that. Um, I love that episode. Yeah. Wait. Email us. Um... Buy Haley a one-way on plane ticket. Yeah. To me. Um. Yeah. John Ham sponsor us, us. Go on to the website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Oh, look at us go. Yeah. And all of our links to all of our social media there. Yep. Follow us, rate us, review us, subscribe. <laughs> Love me, things. please. <laughs> Um, yeah, I that's thrive on positive attention. 
we will see you next week. And I think maybe next week we can announce uh, something special that's happening. Yes, I think that would be fun. Yeah, so you should tune in next week at the end of next episode to find out Haley. something cool. Haley, what? when we're done recording, can you tell me what the exciting thing we're announcing is? Yeah, okay. Okay, thanks. Okay, ASMR period over. Nobody heard okay, that. Okay, bye guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.